Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Wednesday, hump day, hump morning. Welcome. It is April 21st. Just in case you're not uh, keeping track, I am. So, um, good, good morning to you. Um... The verdict yesterday, right? Um, I was thinking of verdicts like that in my lifetime. Uh, O.J. Simpson, probably the one right that, bring, that springs to mind. And uh, watching the reaction around the nation. Um, and I will tell you that, I mean, the reaction around the nation was disturbing, at least in my opinion anyway, because I think most people would say that he was guilty. And yet you saw this celebration ensue, um, and again, court TV, you know, cable, you know, cable TV, most Americans had access to it, to the trial and all of that. Um, I don't know too many people that watched this trial. I haven't had anybody mention it to me, um, that they were watching it. Um, first of all, it's, a uh, it's, it's pretty gruesome stuff. And uh, I don't know if we're, the last year has been more than a lot of people can handle, want to handle. And so, uh, so anyway, when, when the news, you know, breaks, you know, the, the, the jury has reached a verdict, um, you know, it's like, well, what's going to happen? Guilty on all counts, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people. Um, guilty, absolutely. Question of guilty of what? And, uh, so I, I, 
I was out walking my dog yesterday. And I'm walking down the street. And I see this uh, <clears throat> sheriff's deputy getting out of a, getting out of a truck. And uh, he's got his uh, body armor and his, and I actually was wearing a t-shirt, which I rarely wear, but it said Marine Corps on it. And, uh, and I just, I have my head, you know, my little headphones in, I'm walking my dogs and I look up I'm like, Hey man. And he's like, Hey. And, uh, I said, do you mind if I look at your body armor? He goes, no. And so, um. So, oh, he and I begin a conversation. The verdict comes up, and I said, so what do you think of it? And he said, yeah, a lot of guys surprised um, that he was, uh, he was convicted on, on second-degree murder charge. And, um, and he said, you know, it's, uh, it'll be interesting the effect it has on people. I said, well, what do you think the effect will be? And he said, I think the effect is going to be, and he said, and we've had discussions about this, that how willing are you going to be in the future to put yourself in a dangerous situation, right, knowing that every time you do something it's going to be filmed and, and you have a chance to go to prison. Why would you put yourself in those situations? Why would you run down a dark alley chasing somebody? To protect a community that's not going to protect you? I was like, whoa. So um, so we talked for a few minutes. and So then I called a couple other people last night. And I asked them kind of the same question because it kind of intrigued me. And let me draw you a parallel between, in my opinion, what's happened in the Marine Corps. One of the things that's happened in the Marine Corps is the law enforcement community in the Marine Corps, and that is our staff NCOs, whether we believe it's valid or not, they do. They don't believe, and very similar to law enforcement, to this conversation I had. And then I'll tell you about the other two. Um they don't believe they can stand an allegation about um, whether they were uh, being mentally abusive, physically abusive. So they pulled back. And as they pulled back, uh, the Marine Corps has changed. So our staff NCO community, staff sergeants, gunnies, first sergeants, really those are the leaders of of, of of the, uh, you know, the day-to-day life in the Marine Corps. As that group, and even sergeants, I would tell you, you know, but as that group has decided that they're not, they're not going to enforce chicken shit rules, the discipline of the Marine Corps has gotten worse. And so as I was thinking about this last night, I don't know how I cross-linked that. I said, wow, it's it's exactly the same incident, right? So um, when you perceive that the system is now not friendly to you and what you do, but you've invested you know, a good chunk of your life to this and you want to retire, right? The road to that retirement that I, I'm, I'm working for is the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance is give them what they want. And I, so therefore, I am not going to enforce these chicken shit rules that, you know, that some people think I should. Because if one of these little punks, you know, airs my shit out on Twitter, right, and, you know, goes in and wants to charge me with something, you know, I'm not sure that anybody's going to back me up. Okay. So, interesting, right? So, as I was walking my dogs, I'm thinking about that. So, um, I called two other law enforcement guys I know just to say, so what do you think? And they said, um, one of them said, well, look, what he did was clearly, 
clearly outside the bounds of what we know we're supposed to do. And he said, so he got what he got. He said, you can't do that. I said, so let me ask you this. Derek Chauvin, he's he's sitting on him. He's physically connected to him. And he's feeling him, his body, give way. And he doesn't stop. What causes that? Is that guy right in the head? And the response was, clearly not. Right? Clearly not. So, a while ago, and I think right after, you know, this event, you know, I started talking about police officers, firefighters, and mental health. Go look up the suicide numbers and the alcohol rate numbers for those professions. So we have a system in which we take um, people that, that sign up to do that work and we put them out in those streets year after year after year. And they go into these situations year after year after year. And then they begin to suffer mental health problems because of it. And so they harden themselves to who they, you know, who they're dealing with. They're not dealing with people. They're dealing with shitbags. And there's all these different ways we attempt to insulate ourselves. Because the truth is you can only see so much of that shit until you become so disabled mentally that you're... Um, that you're a dysfunctional human being and, and, and these things are out there waiting for you to cross paths with them. And when they do, it's not going to turn out well. Okay. So I think there's a mental health component. I, you know, one of the things I talked about was, was that there should be kind of a GI bill for law enforcement. I don't know if it's federally funded or federal state and local funding, but you can only be on the streets of this country, uh, doing patrol type work, for let's say eight years, pick a number, you know, and then you're done. You either have to be promoted or you're going to um, be put out of service. Yeah. So you got to go become a training officer, you got to move into administration. You've got to move into some form of leadership position or you're done. And here's four years of college paid for. Uh, Here's a living stipend, much like the GI Bill. And thank you for your service. You know, good luck. So it's a way to pay for your college if you want to go that route. Stepping stone maybe to another law enforcement career. But we know that there's a detrimental impact to you if we allow you to continue to do this for longer than my mark on the wall is eight years. All right. So to me, that was one interesting part of, of that conversation was that, look, the guy's clearly fucked up guy. And I said, how prevalent of that is that? And he said a lot more than you would think. He said, there's no way you can be in this job and not, and not feel the hate when you go around every day and you you see what you see and then take the shit that you take in this job and i so i said so i said so how does this impact law enforcement he said ah just he said it makes the job more difficult he said look the he said look the verdict helped because last night because of the verdict we weren't watching riots and looting and cities being burned around the country. He said, and everybody thought that that's what was going to happen. Because any verdict other than the one that, that came out would have precipitated all of that. I said, yeah, no doubt. He said, so, you know, sadly for him, but good for the rest of us, nobody else got killed last night. There wasn't all those damage, all that damage to cities. And he's guilty. I said, so guilty of, of, of 
second-degree murder. And he said, yeah. He said, I can see how they would convict him of that. And I said, I said, okay, so walk me through you know, what you see. He said, look, man, nine minutes is a long time. He said, you have all kinds of options in that period of time. He said, to include other guys coming up to you and telling you that he's struggling. And you just stay there. He said, that's how you know he's a fucked up guy. He said, who does that? Only somebody that's so jaded and so fucked up that they can't feel the most basic human feelings anymore. He said, so that's how. Nine minutes is a long time. I said, okay. So so that was one conversation. The next conversation was, you know, you know, same thing. So what do you think? And this person was, I would characterize his attitude more as, yeah, fuck this. And he said, look, you know, he's guilty. No doubt about it. He said, but the fallout of this, relative to being a cop, he said, is is crazy. Every time we show up someplace, it seems like everybody hates us. He said, now, I know that's it's, it's an overstatement, but you deal with it every day as a cop now. You feel that. He said, so, I'm going to risk my life for what? As much as I want to serve, as as much as I believe in the, in the mission, he said, it's gotten really, really difficult. So then I said, how about, let me give you a scenario that just happened in Chicago and tell me what you do. He said, all right. Shots fired, acoustic sensor hears it, you're responding Get out of your car. You see two guys running down an alley. You see what you believe to be a weapon. Are you gonna you gonna chase them? He said no. I said why not? He said why am I gonna put myself in that situation? He said look, I have seconds to make a decision: shoot or no shoot. They've already shot at a vehicle. I've showed up. Clearly, they're they're criminals because you know they saw the the police car and they took off running. He said, "No, I know not everybody agrees with that, but it's a reality in my world. Why would you run when the cops show up?" Which brings me back to you know only the guilty run, right? So anyway, um, I said, "So you don't go down that alley?" He said, "Why would I?" He said, look, they obviously, they hang out in this community. They're doing their shit in this community. He said, so look, relative to scrutiny of police, it's raised the bar. So every time I put that myself in that situation, I roll the dice on the rest of my life. Not only whether I might get shot, but also if in the confusion of those moments, I don't make the right decision. And then he said something really interesting. He said, Mac, imagine you being the person and them going through what you did like it's an instant replay in an NFL game. Oh, look at this angle. Oh, And you had nanoseconds to make a decision and your life is threatened. And then all these armchair quarterbacks come back behind you who've never done this in your life, in their lives, and they start saying, should have done this, should have done this, should have done this. He said, so my question is, why would you put yourself in that situation? I said, so do you think that is a prevalent opinion among law enforcement officers? He said, Do I think that? He said, no, I don't think that. He said, I fucking know it. I 
And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and he said, yeah, whoa was right. And and I said, so obviously these discussions, he said, obviously. Um, and I said, wow. And he said, look, man, we're not stupid. You know, we watch the news. We see all this stuff that's going on around the country. And so do you think we're going to continue to put ourselves in those situations? He said, answer to that is no. Answer to that is no. So um, interesting conversations, you know, with with uh, with law, law enforcement guys yesterday on their take. So I can't remember which one I asked this to. I said, so what do you think the impact will be around the nation? He said crime will go up. Because cops won't be as willing to put themselves in those situations. So there'll be more criminals that can stay on the streets for longer periods of time. And that means crime's going to go up. In particular, violent crime will probably grow up. He said, that'd be my, that'd be my take. He said, so the people that live in those communities are going to be the one that pay the price, like they always do. He said, but you know, it's just reality. There is such an anti-cop sentiment in the country. And he asked me, then he asked me, he said, have you ever looked at the studies in terms of police shootings of uh, black men? I said, I have. And he said, you know that the numbers go down every year, right? I said, yeah, I've seen that. He said, the country doesn't know that. He said, so, I mean, if if you ask the average American what they think, they won't have any clue. And that's what's out there. That's what gets fed to the nation every day. He said, so, you know, it's a pretty tough job. Pretty tough job. And he said, and then that thing that happened where that female sergeant thinks she has a taser in her hand and shoots that kid. And he said, now granted, the kid's wanted on an armed ro- and what? An armed robbery warrant. That's why he's trying to get away. But he said, look, man, you got two cops there. It shouldn't be a big deal to subdue that kid. And he said, how she mistakes a taser for her sidearm, he said, is, is mind-boggling. He said, look, I don't know. He said this. I don't know what the hell she did for a living, but she didn't handle her pistol on a regular basis. I can tell you that because you don't get the two confused. So so he said the impact will be of not. He said, and again, it's not just this trial. It's every incident that happens. So the impact on the nation, uh, the impact of those three verdicts yesterday was in the billions of dollars of damage that would have been done to communities around this country. Yeah, that breathed a huge sigh of relief last night. As we didn't see rioting and looting. Imagine all the people that, that, um, you know, we watched the looting last summer. And it was organized looting, right? You had people driving around in caravans of cars, organized um, gangs and whatnot, with cameras on their cars, showing up to high-end stores, smashing windows, grabbing stuff, throwing it in the backs of their their vehicles, and taking off. All very organized. Crazy. And you know they were ready to do that again. But it didn't happen last night. So impact on the nation. Um, other things f- from from the last, what, 24, 48 hours. Um, pretty amazing when you have uh, the comments made by Maxine Waters. And you have the judge say, you know, 
there might be grounds for an appeal based on simply that. And then the President of the United States makes additional comment, praying for the right verdict. You know there's overwhelming evidence. President of the United States saying that. So, um, so you see things that, that are head-scratching uh, throughout all of this. And um, then the president and the vice president both go on TV last night. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that in my life. And so, um, yeah, the Derek Chauvin trial concludes, at least the first one. We'll see if there's a second one. And uh, and then we'll all stand by to, uh, to hear what we're going to hear relative to it. Um, but again, I think that law enforcement community has to rethink that you could be a police officer in a major urban area for, you know, for 20 years and not be, look at the suicide. I mean, come on, man. And so really what a community does is it uses these guys. It uses these girls. And then, you know, gives them this great retirement and you see the suicide and alcoholism rate, you know, of it. And again, when you watch Derek Chauvin sitting on on him, on George Floyd, um, when you watch that, it's like that dude is dead inside. And he's dead, in my opinion, in part to being subjected to those the conditions of American streets on a daily basis. And I think the outcome, uh, I think the outcome, if you're going to allow people to do that, is predictable. And again, look up suicide, alcoholism, in cops and firefighters. Okay? Look up um, alcoholism in social workers. And you're going to see this trend. When you send people into the bowels of our city to to do this very, very difficult work, and they deal with the violent underside of our culture on a regular basis, there's only so much of that that you can do before it has a huge impact on your life. So to me... uh, one of some of those comments from the guys I talked to last night, um, somebody got to do something about that. Because when you broaden the lens and you look at the way we use police officers, right? Uh, you know, and what comes to mind is um, video. I want to say it happened in South Carolina, but I'm not sure. Of a man, unarmed man, running away, cop chasing him and shoots him. Unarmed, running away, and he shoots him in the back. Now, I'm not sure if it was in South Carolina or not. So, what's going on there? What's going on there? And my answer is, rage is going on. We scuffled, you somehow or other got away from me. And I'm not right in the head because I've done this shit for too long. And now I'm pissed and my anger explodes. So this whole idea of rethinking policing, um, I think the mental health part should be a part of it. And the other part is that I'm not sure that America understands what police officers live with on a daily basis. And then we we break 
an event down with slow motion. I can't imagine if, you know, we did slow motion shit in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? In the kinetic phases when we're fighting in cities and stuff like that, where there's the quick and the dead. And then you got held to this NFL standard where we look at, you know, in slow motion, what you did, blah, 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 blah. That would not work out well. You try to do your best, but at the end of the day, it is a murky, confusing situation that you're in, and you see things and you react to things. And if you're in that situation, and if you don't react, then... You know, the consequences are you could be dead or or somebody that you lead could be dead. And so I don't think that, you know, say as we might, that we understand it. But I don't think most of the nation can or does understand it. So I think I think I agree with that police officer that said the cumulative effect of this is that the police will pull back. They would be stupid not to. Why would you continue to put yourself in those situations knowing that, um, first of all, there's a hostility in the nation for police and what they do. Second, there's, um, there's, no, there's no latitude for you to make a mistake. So answer to that is don't put yourself in that situation. So to me, that makes perfect sense. And again, like I said, it's exactly what has happened in the Marine Corps with, with the impact of that pack order. And whether they'll admit it for publication or not is a good question. But, you know, the enlisted leaders from the rank of sergeant, I would tell you the first sergeant who lead the companies of the Marine Corps, in the day-to-day operations of the Marine Corps, they have concluded that they cannot stand an allegation, and they are they have pulled back. Now, some will say, oh, you know, I think that's bullshit. Well, that's fine. You could say that. But it doesn't make it, make it not true. So, um, and that's not good. You know, I heard this term barracks war for the first time uh, last year. And um, it's the term used to talk about who runs the barracks. Everything from parking and fire lanes, which nobody, which, which people do in some places, depending on who's leading who. Or do the junior Marines, do the charismatic Lance Corporals run the barracks? And what has happened in many places, and this impacts suicide, because those charismatic Lance Corporals, if they don't like you, they will, they'll, they'll make your life really, really miserable. And so you came in the Marine Corps looking to meet a great leader, but those leaders have stepped back. And now these charismatic junior shitheads, they run the show when everybody else goes home. And you know it. And that's not a good thing. Just like if the police pull back. I should say if. As the police pull back, it's not going to be a good thing in communities. And so... Again, I, I think the difficult discussion, you know, is 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 still not being had in terms of how do you how do you keep these things from happening? How much money do you have to pay? How many people do you need to have on the force? You know, there used to be a day and age where cops rode around in cars and there was two two people in the car. Now think about that. That had to be um, that had that had to be a really you know different experience than riding around by yourself. But as as you know, in an effort to you know have as much coverage, we didn't do we stopped doing that. We stopped doing that. So you go on your own to to most calls. And then another car, another car. We say we have coverage, right? But you know, another cop shows up. So do we? I don't know. Um, anyway, so I think we have to. 
you know, we have to look at things like that. I'm in that situation. I'm by myself. What does that do to somebody? So I think this conversation is a long, long way from being over. And the problem is some cities want to do it on the cheap. And you use people like that and you use people like that. And then these kind of things happen. And I would tell you, I mean, entirely predictable. Entirely predictable. So, um, yeah. Interesting day yesterday. And then all the fallout. Now, evidently, the Department of Justice has announced a uh, an investigation, which, in my opinion, is political grandstanding. You know? It's politics. They did the same thing in Ferguson. Eric Holder went there. Big announcement. And then what did they find? There was no pattern in Ferguson. Right? But that that press conference, not so well covered, right? So the politics, the politics of all of this. Um, but a day that, you know, was no not doubt an interesting day. I, I again, I just don't think when you don't start with the truth, and that is the trend line of shooting unarmed black men. If you go to the databases, both the FBI and the Washington Post, that you can go online and check out, you will see those numbers. Okay. But the most powerful thing in our country these days is video. Those The gut-wrenching video of these things. So when you look at when you look at these these incidents and they get played on your TV over and over and over again, then you ask somebody, you know, I asked my daughters, I don't know, about a year ago, how many times do you think this happens a year? And Colleen said 200. Catherine said 50. And and they just looked at me when I said, no, number's way smaller, less than 10 last year. And so, but the video trumps everything, right? The video trumps everything. So we'll watch to see, as usual, when the adults in the room, when are they going to show up? You know, you had a guy resign the other day in Brooklyn Park for just using the term due process, you know? Well, I mean, isn't that the hallmark of what it is to be at the end of the day? Why we're proud of, you know, the jurors and and what happened there? That's the American system, right? Due process, a trial by, you know, by your peers. Now that will all be scrutinized, but that too, the appeal process and all that, that is the American way. But now you have people resigning because they don't want you to follow due process. And that's disturbing, in my opinion. Anyway, that stuff's disturbing. I saw something else. um, And and, and it goes along with, I don't know, it, it goes along with cancel culture and all of this. Listen to this headline. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Simon and, Simon and Schuster say Mike Pence's book will proceed disp- despite employee petitions. Simon and Schuster, probably the biggest book publisher in the world. I'll look it up. Largest book publisher in the world is... Uh, the Relics Group, R-E-L-X Group, Thomson Reuters, Pearson, Bertelsmann, HarperCollins, Scholastic, yeah, so Simon Schuster, I don't even see it on the list, HarperCollins, Phoenix, 
Maybe it's in one of these corporations. Anyway, but the headline is, Mike Pence book will proceed despite employee petitions. So <clears throat> I'm in the business of publishing. I'm not going to publish a book that would be read widespread because of the political feelings of some of the people that work. And that's what you see happening across the country. And um, it's pretty amazing to watch that, you know, freedom of speech now is being negated all over the place because I don't like your viewpoint. I don't like what political party you've come from. And... I, that's, you know, that's pretty amazing in my lifetime. I don't know that I've ever lived in, in, I, I, no, that's not true. I've never lived in the United States when people were, felt like it was a third world country. And I can't say what I'd like to say because I don't want to get canceled. Yeah, Mac, I'd like to come on your program, but you know what? I mean, who needs, who needs that shit these days? Maybe somebody at some point uses it against me. And I don't need that. Okay. Yeah, I thought articulate discussion was a good thing. Oh, I don't disagree with you. But one never knows these days. Yeah, this is the kind of shit third world countries do. And that is you take over the media and then you silence all the critics. And that's what's going on. I mean, when you, in our country... You look at it today, and that's what's going on. The union of, you know, essentially the Democratic Party, big tech, big social media. And I used the example the other day. Wounded Warrior Foundation got drugged through the streets from about about 2016 to about, I don't know, 2019 for the way they used, for the way they spent money on salaries, and it was a big story. People got fired and all of that. And what it was 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 a investigation into the way this nonprofit organization that raised so much money spent that money. Now, when the same standard got applied last week to the woman who runs Black Lives Matters after she went on a... Um, a real estate buying, um, I don't want to, I would say binge, but call it what you will. Um, when the same standard was to be applied to her, that, that, that all of a sudden this person is spending money in a way that gets people's attention. All those stories got, got embargoed. They got, um, their accounts got suspended Twitter and Facebook, and what's what's the rational basis of that? That some extraordinary standard was being applied to her? No, the same standard that was applied to her was applied to Wounded Warrior Foundation, and it was legitimate. People ask questions like, "What's going on with all the with with these money, with these monies that we've donated? Are they being used to to, to the appropriate ends?" Well, the, the stories were straight up banned. You couldn't share them. Twitter accounts got closed. And so, I mean, that third, that feels a lot like the, a third world country now. And they'll come for you. Now, there's, there's also stories about, I saw a story today that a police officer in Virginia was fired. Because somebody breached the database of the company that collected money. I don't know if it was GoFundMe or somebody. For that kid in Wisconsin who shot another protester. And that that police officer was fired from his or her job. So in in a nation that has a constitution that says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, do you have the do you, do you have the authority to fire me from my job because you don't like who I support 
politically? You don't like who I send my money to to help them with their defense? That's kind of that's kind of creepy. So somebody breaches the database, publishes all the names, your name's on it, and you get fired. I mean, Orwell, man, he would he would look at that and go, "Whoa, yeah." <laughs> like I know I wrote Animal Farm and all that shit, but whoa, 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 whoa. So, um, hyper. Politics, more intrusion into your life, and people telling you what to think. You know, it's uh, it's not a great recipe. So uh, on that note, um, good morning to you. United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. This is dedicated to uh, all the law enforcement officers that go out across the nation and risk their lives uh, in an um, environment that is um, hostile towards them and um, where they face more and more scrutiny. Um, my advice to you is find a different way to make a living. And I know that I have friends and they say, oh, I, I love this. I love what I do. Yeah, I know. I know. But if I, my advice to you as a friend, find another way to make a living. The juice is no longer worth the squeeze because the risk is simply too high. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> 
<clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. See, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. You got to win. Time to check the weather. Got a couple emails I'll read you. Currently, it is partly sunny and 70 in Quantico. So warming up on the east coast. Down the coast of Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, it is partly sunny, 76. 29 Palms, sun and 64. Camp Pendleton, cloudy and 57. Camp Smith in Hawaii. Dark cloudy in 66 there. Okinawa. Dark cloudy in 69. In Darwin, it is dark cloudy in 81. In Oslo, Norway, it is cloudy in 45 late in the afternoon. At the home of Almerin Radio, it is cloudy in 59. Looking for a high of only 62 today. 63 tomorrow. And then 64, 66, and 65 throughout the rest of the week. So, a little bit cooler than we like it. The, um, read you a couple emails here. I didn't. I didn't look at this. Um, the emails entitled "New One." There was a new police shooting in Columbus, Ohio, last night. Fifteen, sixteen-year-old girl comes charging out of a house into a crowd, waving a six-inch knife. The cop was just getting out of his car, walking up to the scene. The girl is on her target and swinging the knife as the cop draws and shoots her. Off to the side, a dude is kicking a girl in the head. Totally nuts situation. Benjamin Crump has already tweeted about the cop shooting the, quote, unarmed girl. The New York Times published his tweet after deleting the word unarmed. This shit is surreal and out of hand. There are We are so screwed, and it's the honest folks in the cities that will pay the price. The point your cop friends made is right on. Why go there and set, you, set yourself up for this crap? Well, you know, that's what they said. You know, that that's what they expected was... You know, essentially the same thing that's happened in the Marine Corps. Right? With the greater scrutiny of this job that comes with social media and everybody having a camera, it's become too difficult. Right? Um, And let me tell you, all three of them said that Derek Chauvin was out of control and out of hand, and that was out of hand. One of them mentioned the mental health part of it. Okay, but to me, that's what I see when I watch that. That dude's so full of hate that he's convinced himself that this is the right thing to do, somehow or other. Yep. The, um... But again, what appears in the New York Times isn't the news, right? It's it's stories that support the New York Times' narrative, right? And that is that you live in a racist nation. Well, I think a jury in Minneapolis yesterday sent a message to the whole country, right? 
We're not racist. I think the whole thing sent a message to the nation about the way the system works. Another email. Your comments about the mental health part of this are pretty interesting. I served in the Marine Corps for about 10 years and then became a law enforcement officer after that. I only did about four years in a big city before I left. I couldn't take that. I went to a smaller town where you can still be a police officer. You can still help and protect people. And I retired there. I appreciate your thoughtful discussion today. That's a hard job. It's really hard in big cities. The shit that goes on there on a daily basis, the violence that police are subjected to, is absolutely positively crazy. And I would not even compare my experiences as a cop with my experiences as a Marine. I never went to war as a Marine. I trained to go to war. But the stress involved in the two jobs, was crazy. So I got out of there as quick as I can. Your comments on mental health are absolutely on the mark. When you're a police officer in a smaller town, there are some difficult things. But most of the time, you're helping people. You're protecting people. And it's a very satisfying job. When you don't have the protecting piece so much and all you deal with is violence, it becomes a not very good job. I like your idea of a GI Bill for cops. And I don't know that eight years isn't too long either. Maybe six at the most. I was done after four. But I think your idea is spot on. Give them the money for college education. Or you can use that in a trade school. You have a living stipend. And the other point you made was this, which I thought was pretty interesting. Law enforcement officers are being used by communities. In spite of people like you who say really smart things about mental health, cities don't heed that. They put together bullshit mental health programs and then they crawl up our ass for not going. That's their effort to make it good. But your point is the key point. They keep you on those streets for as long as you'll go back out there knowing the suicide rate and the alcohol rate. Appreciate your program. Have a great day. Um, hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. Not a whole lot more to talk about today. And uh, again... The nation's going to have to have a discussion about this whole idea of what exactly is systemic racism. And as I said, um, systemic racism, I mean, I lived in it. I talk about being a kid and my dad in the 60s, he managed baseball teams in Alabama. So in the summer, we'd go there. You're a little white kid. You see, you go up to a fountain and, and you see the words white only on it. You don't even know what it, I didn't even know what it meant. Like, I don't know what that means. And I, I never occurred to me not to drink out of a fountain. Right? But at some point, my mom, Kathleen, she explained it to me. And the N-word, right, as I've said before in this program, it was a noun. Okay, it was a noun. Used commonly. 
Jim Crow wasn't a term thrown about in political circles. It was a system in place. So the um, the discussion with adults who who aren't afraid to have that discussion, right, is something that needs to be had. But but that's not what you have in our country right now. What you have is one party owns social media and the major news outlets in this country. And they're bludgeoning the nation with their narrative in an effort to convert it to political power. And again, you know, I hear Shelby Steele. Race is only used as a means to political power. And it's, I think he's absolutely positively right. He said, because if there was truly the concern, we would do the right thing. And if you look at the projects that were created in the 60s as part of President Johnson's great society, okay, the welfare system that we've created, that's in the 60s. So 35 years, so we're going on 55 years of that shit. And we can't get those Americans entrenched in that out of it. After all the money that's been poured. So so what is that whole industry about? Is it about really helping? Or is it about sustainment of political power? Well, I know what Shelby Steele would tell you. His message is this. Until you look at them and says and say, nobody's coming to help you, you've got to help yourself. You've got to stay in school. Okay? You can't get pregnant because that is the path to staying here. If you drop out, if you get pregnant, that is the path to remaining here. The path out of here is through education. The path out of here is hard work and keeping your family together. He said, look, you know, nobody wants to say that. And until we have the courage to tell that to the to any any community that is struggling, I don't care if you're talking about the, the, the population the white population in Appalachia or a or a minority population in an urban center. Until you until he said you will look at them and give them the secret to becoming su- successful, then we're not gonna help them. And all the rest of this is a charade for political power. And that's that's his point. So, um, again, as it seems to be a constant lament on this program, looking for the adults. Looking for the adults in the room to show up and, and then be able to have a an adult conversation. But I'll tell you this. It doesn't seem like we as a nation uh, right now are capable of that. And uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I, I was thinking this morning, you know, where is Tim Russert when you need him? <laughs> right? Somebody who focused on the truth. Where is a guy like Charles Krauthammer when you need him? Instead, we have the idiots that will go on and spew their political bullshit on TV. And not thoughtful people that Really, really pursue the truth, no matter how inconvenient it is. So, anyway, um, Mensa Brothers will join me tomorrow. Uh, I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Uh, Have a great day. If uh, you know a policeman, you know a sheriff, you know a policewoman, um, don't be afraid to tell him go find another job as sad as that is the nation hasn't come to grips with the difficulty of the job and they don't need to pay for that problem with their life and spend the rest of it in jail because they got put into a situation they made a life and death decision and it was less than perfect so they're going to go to jail Uh, The juice ain't worth the squeeze in this country right now.
So, on that sad note, and again, it has nothing to do with Derek Chauvin. It has to do with the impact. You know, because again, every cop I talked to said, hey, that guy is guilty. You know? But the impact of this on everything we do is really, really tough. So, yeah, don't be afraid to give that advice. And on another note, don't be afraid to help somebody that's struggling. And if there's any way I can help, all you got to do is uh, you can go to posttraumaticwinning.com. All the contact information there uh, leads you to me. So on that note, go do good stuff. You live in the greatest nation in the world, no matter what anybody says. Right? The key to it is having grown-up discussions, tackling hard problems, and not doing bullshit like defund the police. The people who pay the price for that defunding are the people who live in the most violent places in our country. And whether we all like it or not, they're going to pay a price for what's going on because, you know, I think most cops have concluded it ain't worth it. I don't need to be the first one on that call. I don't need to chase that person down that alley. And if in the upcoming weeks and months that person, because I didn't arrest them, kill somebody else, then you know what? I feel bad about it. But at the end of the day, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. So, again, looking for adults to have grown-up conversations to solve uh, that problem. On that note, well, 